welcome to Doing the Dang Thing, episode two. Today I'm here with Molly Kate Sullivan, Miss Green River. She's from Kentucky, and I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hey, y'all. I'm Molly Kate Sullivan, just like Maddie just said, and I am Miss Green River, which for me is a local title to my hometown, which was super special to win because in Kentucky, there's not a ton of restrictions on you having to be from that area. And so I've been Miss Lexington, which is my town in the past. And then my first Miss title was Miss Goldenrod, which was also out of Lexington. So it was really special to come back home and really been in it. And so it's kind of funny that that's ended up being my title. Yeah, we love to hear that. So your social impact initiative is Sunshine. So what do you do with Sunshine? Like, what is Sunshine? Okay, so Sunshine, it started from I'm an only child, and my parents, it's basically what they've taught me in life, and then I'm going and teaching it to others. So my dad taught me the importance of agriculture. He is a fifth-generation family farmer here and he just wanted me and he's raised me to have a passion for agriculture and wanted me to teach others about where their food comes from and what farmers go through and how important it is to thank a farmer and to understand what they go through to feed the world and then my mom she taught me to radiate positivity and to be the sunshine in people's lives and So she really wanted me to just be a friend and be a light for people. And so I have had both of those passions my entire life. And one day when I was trying to um, work on my social impact a little bit, it had always been just be the sunshine about the positivity. And I really, really, really wanted to incorporate agriculture because I was going to college. I'm studying agricultural economics. And so I wanted it to be a part of my social impact. And so I just kind of had this thought that was like, sunshine makes us grow. And so the physical sun grows agriculture, which grows food, which grows us physically. And then in the sunshine in someone's life, it grows them in a personal way that you can't even really put into words as far as like how much you could help someone just by being kind and being there for them. So that's what sunshine is. It's really fun. I love all things yellow and I love doing thing with sunshine and all the girls in Kentucky know me when they see me in my yellow outfits or as soon as I walk in the room, they're like, there's the sunshine girl. And I love being known as the sunshine girl. And I hope I always am. That's such a, like a fun thing to be like, Oh, look, there's like, there's my sunshine, like little Miss Sunshine. That's kind of like when I do appearances and like my title, Miss Heart of Dixie. It's kind of funny because like when I'm bent down with kids, all they see is Miss Heart. And so I oh, get called yeah. Miss Heart a lot. And, you know, it's kind of like a special, it's just a special little thing, you know, because kids are like, oh, Miss Heart, Miss Heart. And it's just, it, it genuinely oh. like warms your heart so much. That's so cute. That's kind of like, like I said, my first um, title was Miss Goldenrod, which is Kentucky State Flower. It's a little yellow wildflower that grows all over Kentucky, but it's also technically a weed, and so it's kind of funny because so many people from Kentucky would be like, oh, that's a cool title. So what are your goals with Sunshine? Like, how are you essentially, like, doing the dang thing? 
So with Sunshine, my absolute biggest goal is to go into schools and honestly to just go around the state of Kentucky. And I really want kids to know where their food comes from. I remember I went to a school and I asked the class where um, eggs came from. And a little boy so confidently said, from Walmart. And I was like, okay, well, where does Walmart get them from? And he didn't know. And so that was kind of like this moment that I realized I live in this rural area, but there are still children that don't know where their food comes from. And so my biggest goal is I really want people to know where their food comes from. I want people to be kind to each other and to be a light in each other's lives. And then back with agriculture, I really, really want people to understand when they are grocery shopping, the different kinds of brands and labeling and marketing poise that happen in the grocery store that can be very, very misleading when it comes to um, food products and how they are raised and how it essentially affects you because there are a lot of misleading labels out there. That's, that's so cool. Like, I love that. <laughs> He's like, oh, you get them from Walmart. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That was so precious. um, That's kind of like there is honestly a shocking amount of people in the nation and in the world that think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. And I'm like, no, but it does. It does come from cows. Like you're at least on the right track, which I 50% there halfway there, which I totally appreciate. And I will totally help you get all the way there on your information. I love that. That is, that is absolutely adorable. So how would you further this if you win Miss Kentucky? So Miss Kentucky, she actually works for the Department of Agriculture, the KDA, the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. So I really always say that my social impact is the job of Miss Kentucky because her job is to go into schools and to events and teach people about agriculture and She's also there to be a light to those kids and to be a role model. And so I would really love, I actually was an intern with the Kentucky Department of Agriculture last summer, which was such an amazing opportunity because one, with my major being agricultural economics, I really loved seeing that side of um, the ag community. And it also gave me kind of a sneak peek of what it would be like to work that's so convenient because you know looking into the Miss America organization now it's not just oh you're just a pretty girl with a pretty crown on your head you're a young woman who is gorgeous and yes we do have pretty crowns on our head but we also are young women with careers and career ambitions and it's a job And I don't think a lot of people recognize that these days. It's truly a job. We're doing things. And especially in Kentucky, that sounds like a phenomenal opportunity that you've had. And sounds like (laughs) you're on the right track. And, you know, you're prepared for Miss Kentucky this upcoming summer, sadly, since Miss America (laughs) decided to, you know, COVID. Um, But speaking of COVID, like, what all have you been doing since we've been in quarantine and locked up inside of our houses. What have all you been doing? So quarantine definitely did not slow me down whatsoever. I ended up starting um, during National Agriculture Week. I decided that I would go Facebook Live every single day 
and I would read an agriculture book and I would do an ag related science and it got an overwhelming response from people and so now every Tuesday and Thursday I go live on my personal Facebook and then I also go live on my Instagram at the same time and so it has really given me the opportunity to continue to speak to kids and adults and people my age and talk about agriculture and talk about what it means to be a light in someone's life, especially right now during these times where so many people need that light in their life. And so it has done amazing. And I've had so much fun um, on those lives. I feel kind of like a little YouTube star getting on and I'm like, hey, y'all, welcome back to the live. And so it's been really fun. I've done most of them at home, obviously, since quarantine. But since Kentucky has started to open back up, the last couple of weeks, I've been able to branch out a little more. So last week, I actually went to a flower farmer's um, farm and got to talk to her about what it means and how it is to be a flower farmer because we have a lot in Kentucky and I never knew that until I started doing these lives. And then this week is National um, Farmer's Market Week. And so tomorrow I'm going to a farmer's market and I'm going to talk to some of the growers and some of the farmers and the vendors and just talk to them about what agriculture means to them and what farmers markets mean to them because it's a really cool opportunity for the people that watch my videos who maybe haven't been to a farmers market before can see exactly how it is so then it can give them a little more confidence to go in the future. That's so much fun. I love going to the farmers market. My it's dad... <laughs> My dad and I, when we moved to the, out of our apartment and into the suburbs, when I was in high school, he decided that once I left for college, he was determined he was going to get chickens. So now we have a mini farm in our backyard. He started off like, you know, just growing like basil, tomatoes, you know, basic good starting plants. I would say for anybody who's interested and, you know, this agricultural lifestyle and how to be more sustainable to the environment. Um, but he decided to build him a chicken coop. And he picked up some chickens from Tractor Supply. Oh, and we love I think Supply. <laughs> our dogs love it, too. Um, and so now we have 13 chickens in our backyard. Oh my goodness. That's so fun though. I, my uncle is a chicken farmer and he has like hundreds of thousands of chickens, but he, I have always loved like hearing about his experience being a chicken farmer. And then my aunt on the other side of my family, they um, have some chickens just for them to have some eggs at their house because she bakes a lot and cooks a lot. And she was like, you know, it would cost a lot less and it would be a lot better for the environment if I just got my own chickens. And so I love seeing people take steps like that. And that's the way my dad was. Like, yes, he loves the company of the chickens. Like, he'll go outside and he'll read to the chickens, which I think is absolutely adorable. That is so But <laughs> he also did it because he eats eggs all the time. And... <laughs> He was like, yeah, well, like, now I can get, you know, multiple eggs a day, and I don't have to go deal with Walmart or, you know, Publix or any other grocery store, and I can just go to the backyard whenever I'm feeling like and get a fresh egg. Well, there you go. 
Exactly. And it's one of those things and he has his garden, like, so he'll go and he'll get his tomatoes. And I don't know if this is a big thing in Kentucky, but originally where I'm from in Alabama, tomato sandwiches are a big deal. Oh, and yeah. so he likes having his tomato sandwiches, you know, maybe with a egg on top if he's feeling, you know, fancy or making an omelet and chopping up tomatoes, putting them in there. And so I think it's just so much fun to have these steps like towards a more sustainable environment, but also learning more about agriculture and the process that you can do on a small scale versus the big, massive, large farm scale, which I think is crucial in educating young children and, you know, even adults on where your food's actually coming from. Yes, definitely. Because I come from a farm that is a little bit, it's definitely not large scale on a national type of scale, but it is a decent size, um, size farm for our area. And so I have loved seeing the difference between I started growing a little garden and I love just showing people that, you know, you don't have to have acres upon acres of corn or soybeans growing to be a farmer. You can just have a couple of plants in your backyard or in a little window box and that is totally helping and it's helping you learn and if you have kids it's helping them learn about how to be more sustainable and it's also a fun thing too because there's a big difference in taste like coming from you know your backyard versus in the farmer's market even versus what you get at the grocery store because you know the use of like pesticides and stuff like that And, you know, because sometimes that can hinder the taste of products, but it's also not as fresh by the time it gets to your table. Yeah, definitely. And I always say, you know, it tastes better if you put hard work into it because it's like a little baby. And so you loved to grow it and to watch it. And I mean, watching even just me watching the corn grow, I was gone for a long weekend um, to see some of my friends. And I was like, you know your farmer's daughter when my first reaction when I turned the corner to get close to my farm was I was like, the corn has gotten so big since I've been gone. And I was like so excited for the corn. And it was just so funny because I'm like, well, that's how you know that you're a farmer's daughter is because you get really excited about how much the corn has grown in your long weekend you've been gone. Hey, even if you're not a farmer's daughter and you just have this love for agriculture, you get excited. Yeah, for sure. So what is, like, what's something that I know the other part of Sunshine is life skills and being a, you know, essentially being a good human. So Mm -hmm. what are some things, what are some lessons that you would want to give to anybody listening to this podcast today? So I think my biggest lesson um, that I try to teach people in general, because it was the biggest lesson that I had to learn personally, was you have to love yourself before you can love others. And that is so much easier said than done in general. But that was something that was really hard for me to figure out on my own. And it's really hard for people all over the world to do and to understand. But There really is such a big difference in how you treat others, even if you realize it or not, in how you're feeling about yourself even just that day. So I know for me, I love getting dressed up. I love putting makeup on. I love doing my hair just for me to feel better because I treat others better when I feel better. And so I think that that's a huge lesson to teach people is that 
in general, if you want, if you're thinking, man, I've really been down, like, I feel like my friends are getting distant from me, I feel like I'm not making as many friends, you need to look in the mirror and think, do I love myself to be able to give my love to other people? And so that's a huge lesson that I'm trying to teach people. I'm still in the process of learning myself every single day. And it's definitely not just a decision you make out of nowhere. It's a very gradual process that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of patience with yourself and with others. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually on a call the other night about diversity and inclusion efforts and something that got brought up, which is extremely important to think about is you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't just keep giving yourself out and spreading yourself so thin to the point where you have nothing left in your cup to keep you going. And I think it's so important to also realize like self-care isn't always a face mask or whatever. It could be knocking stuff off of your to-do list, doing a podcast even. Like this has been like a big form of self-care for me to have something to focus on especially with everything that's like going on in the world around us and, you know, some negative thoughts that can come in, you know, I've been in, I've been so fortunate enough to stay in Louisiana during the whole outbreak and I haven't been home and all of my friends from LSU went home to be with their families and I've, I've been down here. So it's been lonely, but it's also given me a bunch of time to reflect and evaluate how can I make myself feel better and how can I make others who, you know, may not be going back to a safe home or, you know, a welcoming environment or somewhere where they're genuinely just not happy. How can I, you know, while keeping myself and my boat floating, how can I help somebody else with their boat that's sinking? Yes, exactly. I feel the same way. I know, um, For me, I have really um, tried hard to give back to others that I know may not be in a good environment right now. And so in around April, it was my aunt works for our local school system. And so we kind of sneaky, honestly, we weren't exactly supposed to be doing it at as big of a scale as we were. But we would have two or three volunteers on a bus and we would load up food and we would go around the county and we would people's houses to give them food because there's so many children who even just food it's they don't know when their next meal is coming from and Kentucky actually has a really, really um, bad statistics when it comes to knowing where their next meal is coming from and Um, I know so many of those kids that I met, they were three roads down from me. And I could tell that they, that was the most exciting thing of the week was because they got a food box that week. And so that's been really important for me to see in food markets and in farmers markets and just showing people, you know, like, I've been talking to some local farmers about, you know, if that tomato doesn't grow as big as you want it to grow for you to sell it at a farmer's market, do not throw it away. Please donate it to either. We have this amazing local facility called Green River Ministries, and they are a homeless shelter, and they help just a lot of people within the community. And one way that I've been helping with the food uh, stability situation is, 
on Fridays they have a program called Feed Me Friday and I bring about 80 meals with me and we social distance and we have on our masks but I bring them I bring meals that me and my mom make at home and we put them in individual styrofoam boxes and we donate them to people and they just walk up and they grab them and those people that I have met have been some of the kindest and some of the most humble and thankful people I have ever met in my life. And I truly, although COVID has been such a tragedy in so many ways in our country and in the world, I have been blessed in so many ways, just learning things about myself and things about others that I never would have learned without it. And I think that's important looking back on these past three, four months that we've been in isolation for the most part across the country and just learning more about ourselves. I saw a post from another Miss America uh, organization sister. I believe it was Jenna. She posted something about, you know, just because you're in isolation doesn't mean, you know, this is your time where you have to fix every single problem you've ever had. But for some people, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to get in shape and lose all this weight or curl their, not curl their hair, but um, like duck color their hair and do all these other things to modify themselves to make them feel better. But for others, you know, quarantine was a nightmare. And especially like with my social impact initiative, no excuse for abuse, child abuse cases have drastically gone down in reports. That doesn't mean that it's not happening. Matter of fact, it could be happening at a larger scale, but we wouldn't be able to know that because these kids aren't in schools and they aren't getting, you know, the food support always. They're not always, I wouldn't say they're not getting it, but they're not always getting the food support that they need at home. And that's Mm -hmm. not, you know, a direct sign of abuse or neglect per se. It can be, but, you know, some families just, don't have the money and especially with the job market being hit so dramatically and taking this away from individuals I think it's also important what uh you're doing with the food boxes and delivering it to you know the children down the street from you and Mm -hmm. that's so incredibly crucial to their development yes I definitely agree yeah So I'm trying to think of how I want to introduce this. Because doing the dang thing is basically all about, you know, just how genuinely, it's literally what the title is. Like, how are you doing the dang thing? It could, you could talk about anything you want to on here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here genuinely because doing the dang thing came off of therapy for me. Mm-hmm. And working through my PTSD, through my experience with abuse, and whenever I would come over a hurdle or a goal that I wanted to break through or something that popped up again and I really wanted to work through and go forward in the healing process, I would always tell myself, oh, look, I'm doing the dang thing. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see people who are doing something incredible, you know, like for you, like with the blessing boxes, like, look, you're doing the dang thing or, Mm -hmm. you know, getting more people out to the polls or, you know, advocating for mental health or child abuse or whatever it is you advocate for. You're doing the dang thing. You are making a positive impact in your community, whether it's through a small business, helping the economy, you know, helping yourself, 
you know, you're genuinely doing the dang thing. And it's something that's been one of my like many catchphrases that I have with uh, my friends. And so that's where all this came from. And so it was kind of funny after I won my local title, I have the hiccups. Uh Okay. But either way, so after I won my local title, Miss Heart of Dixie, it was, it was kind of funny. So it's a part of the Northeast Louisiana Stock Show. And so we have Miss Louisiana Stock Show, Miss Dixie Stock Show, and then Miss Heart of Dixie Stock Show. But we kind of just chop Stock Show off of my title and just go by Miss Heart of Dixie because that would be a big old mouthful to try to spit out in, in, in an intro. And so... I was thinking to myself, like, I entered it a week before the deadline. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do this, you know, whatever, whatever, what happens, happens. And, you know, either way, the more you lose, the more you win in terms of scholarship dollars and whatnot. And, you know, even in personal growth, going through the private interview, on stage question, getting out there and performing a talent for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people you know a few people whoever's there and just gaining that self-confidence especially an evening gown and social impact initiative and telling people what you're passionate about but I was like how cool would it be for my first title to be Miss Heart of Dixie especially considering Alabama on my uh, license plate it has a little sticker that says Heart of Dixie because that was a big catchphrase for Alabama so it was kind of funny and they called my name I was like oh that's like that's so cool and I had no clue what I was getting myself into and the doors that it would open for me mm-hmm. so what has your experience been like within the Miss Kentucky organization slash Miss America organization yeah so I um started in the outstanding teen organization I did that my last two years of eligibility and kind of going off what you said about losing is winning, I completely agree with that because my two years in Outstanding Teen were tragic, to say the least. I was so bound and determined to win that I totally lost myself in the entire process. I was trying to be what they wanted me to be. And the last year that I was in Outstanding Teen, I somehow convinced myself that, like, it was my year and I was going to win and that was the end of the story. Like, there was no way I could walk away without that crown. And I didn't even get top 15. I got nothing. And I remember being absolutely devastated. And our house moms were devastated for me because they had seen how confident I was going into that weekend and how badly I wanted it. And one of my absolute best friends, um, Abby Quammen, she ended up winning, which was the best thing that could have happened. She deserved that title more than any of us there. And it was an absolute correct um, choice on the judge's behalf. But it's just so funny how things work out because I lost and that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me was losing that pageant because I had to take a step back and be like okay miss thing like you're not all that like you really aren't and you if you think that you're gonna be Miss Kentucky or Miss America or anything in the future you have to put work in you can't just decide one day that you're gonna be it 
So the next year I was a senior in high school and I was just barely old enough to um, be a Miss candidate. And I did a prelim and I lost. And I did another prelim and I won. And I was the youngest girl at Miss Kentucky that year. I got nothing. I expected nothing. I just went and had fun. And then this last year was my second year competing. I was still almost one of the youngest ones at Miss Kentucky. Once again, I expected nothing. I went in. I had fun. I was so excited to be with my friends again. We had changed the location of the pageant that year. And I remember it was finals night. I barely teased my hair because I knew that I was just going to go hang out with my friends in the dressing room for the rest of the night. And they called me for talk 12. And when I tell you that my jaw was on the ground, I mean, the video is absolutely hilarious of me winning, not winning, of me getting top 12. You would have thought I was winning the way that I acted because I was just so genuinely shocked and excited for myself. And that has been the push that I really needed to just continue to work hard and to push myself personally, because I, even if this past year, if I hadn't made top 12 again, or if next year I don't make top 12 again, it doesn't matter because that pushed me to make myself grow personally. And it was the push that I needed to grow so much. And so, you know, now it's kind of to the point, I want to be Miss Kentucky more than anything in the world. But if that's not in the cards for me, I'm still Molly and I'm still okay with that. And I'm great either way with whatever happens. But it is just, I've grown so much from my very first interview that I did as a teen. I came out sobbing. I called the girl that had helped me prepare. And I told her that I was like, I just need to go home. That was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And it's funny because she's now actually one of my directors for my local pageant. And she mock interviewed me a couple weeks ago and she was like, oh, Molly, if I had known that 15-year-old girl that I mock interviewed all those years ago would be standing in front of me and being so confident and so confident in herself and comfortable with herself, she's like, I wouldn't have believed it because she said you were the most scared interviewer ever and now interviews like my favorite thing ever so Miss Kentucky and the Miss America organization has just grown me in ways that I didn't even imagine that it could and it has just been so amazing I can't wait for it to keep being amazing for all the years to come and I think that's one of like the big benefits to the Miss America organization is a lot of girls come in I didn't come in through the outstanding team program this is actually my first year in the Miss America organization but coming through and seeing, you know, sisters that have gone through outstanding teen have just become so much more confident. And, you know, they went from absolutely hating interviewing on stage question. And now that's their favorite thing to do. And I think that just testifies to the Miss America organization's purpose, you know, preparing strong women for the world and preparing the world for strong women. And I think that's, you know, everything when people ask me, you know, what's the Miss America organization like? And, you know, I tell them that phrase and I'm like, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mean, going off the onstage question, I, my second year in team, the year I thought I was going to win, you know, I cried during my onstage question because they had asked me, 
I don't even remember what it was, but for some reason I got really choked up and I cried during my onstage question and I will never forget being like, well, I don't know that either like helped me or hurt me. And it definitely hurt me, which is totally fine because you know what? You live and you learn. And I uh, have mentored a couple girls that have gone through the Outstanding Teen program that were in it while I was in it and they're continuing to be in it. And I always tell them, I'm like, every time you lose, you have learned something so much bigger than if you had won. And I say that with so many more things than just pageants. So, for example, if you get an internship and you hate it, that's almost better than loving it because that means that you know that you don't want to do that. And then that's one more thing off the job list that you might not want to do. And I know like in the agriculture community, there's so, so many different things I could do with my degree. And me trying to cross off the list has been harder than I expected. But it's nice when I realize like, oh, I know I don't want to do that. I'm glad that those people are here to do that. And that there are types of people who can do things like that. But it's nice to just understand that not every person is cut out for every single type of thing. And so losing is winning to me. I've always said that. And, you know, I, I love when girls have, sometimes you got to lose and that's fine. And I've lost plenty of times and I'll continue to lose more times in the future. And it's one of those, you know, big things, especially that I find I, did, I was a competitive figure. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks I'm for having the, me. So the data fun. stuff that's coming out. This was fun. Like, we definitely, like, I will, depending on when Miss Kentucky and Miss Louisiana line up, I will most certainly try to make it out to Miss Kentucky. I, I love Kentucky. Oh, I've only been with, a, I've only been a couple of times, but I love Miss Kentucky. And I just love, yeah. I love, Kentucky's just a fun state. <laughs>